All right, this is Gary Parrish again from CBSSports.com. It's Friday, March the 13th. Actually, our second straight month with a Friday the 13th. I just looked at the calendar. This is the Eye on College Basketball podcast, and uh, I'm joined, as I typically am on Fridays, by Matt Norlander and Sam Vecini. And I guess uh, the big story from Thursday night is these conference tournaments uh, continue to uh, lead us into Selection Sunday, uh, was Iowa State's uh, come from behind, last second, buzzer-beating, Monte Morris, game-winning shot, a victory over uh, Texas. And it was just a tremendous game, a tremendous shot, a bad moment for Rick Barnes, which leads to all the typical Rick Barnes stuff you, you hear. But when I woke up this morning, I, like, I'm reading things on Twitter and elsewhere about now Texas is on the bubble and Rick Barnes's job is in trouble. And I don't doubt that maybe Rick is, is under some pressure there and that he they could theoretically make a coaching change. I mean, we'll see. But why do people think Texas is on the bubble suddenly? Norlander, do you have any idea? Well, yeah, because I, well, I think they think they're on the bubble because they've got 13 losses. The weird thing with Texas is they don't have a bad loss, right? The worst loss against Stanford, who you could argue that was the last game last night. Stanford's probably out, which kind of blows my mind. A team I once said was better than Utah, uh, and I take it all back. Texas <laughs> is what three and twelve, three and thirteen, two and thirteen against the RPI top fifty. So three I think this notion that they're not in stems from them having so many chances, so many chances, and losing most of those. Um, I think that's where I think that's where it stems from. I think they're in. Texas is a weird team to me in that, first of all, they're 19th in Ken Palm. Um, so from, a, from that metric, you know, they would have a decent shot at making a second weekend run in the tournament. But I wrote on night court last night, it, like, in their ter- I, they're going to get in. I, I'd be, like, truly shocked if it didn't get in. That would blow me away. Um, but any outcome between plus 20 and negative 20 for Texas, regardless of opponent, wouldn't shock me because uh, they've just been so wildly inconsistent this year and they should be better. And I do think, I think Barnes is in serious trouble here. Um, I, I think if they don't win a tournament game, he will be gone. And that's obviously a huge job. Um, and, you know, we'll get more into that in the, in the off season uh, if and when that happens. But yeah, they, they're kind of up against it here. Uh, I'm not seeing that they're like truly on the bubble bubble. Um, I think they're going to get in, but the resume isn't great. If they got sent to Dayton, I could see it, uh, but we got a lot of teams here. I know we're going to hit it on all this here. I mean, we had a lot of teams take bad losses here. So either they played themselves out, or if so many teams lost that were kind of, you know, kept the tide even for all those boats, I would still put Texas in a better position than the other teams. Two things here. Um, one, I don't care. I really, when I'm when I'm ranking teams, which is essentially the same thing as you know, it just on a smaller level of trying to figure out who should and should not be in the NCAA tournament. I don't even look at the number of losses. I genuinely didn't know that Texas had, until you just said it, I had no idea Texas had 13 losses. I, I, I only look at, um, you know, bad losses. And, and you know, the, those are the ones that matter to me. Good wins and bad losses. Everything else is, is the way it ought to be. And so um, – they 10 of their 13 losses are to teams ranked in the top 25 right now. 10 of their 13 losses are to teams in the top 25 of the RPI right now. And you know, they don't have a whole bunch of good wins, but they do have three, Baylor, West Virginia, Iowa. And so I get it that they have been disappointing. I think this conversation started with North Carolina for a little while too. It was like, oh, North Carolina sucks. 
No, North Carolina doesn't suck. North Carolina's like a legitimate top 20 team. They, North Carolina just isn't what we thought they'd be. But it doesn't mean they suck. It just means they've, they're not what they were supposed to be. So Texas, it's a little bit of the same deal. They're disappointing relative to what we thought they'd be, relative to what they probably should be. But they're still quite clearly, in my mind, one of the uh, an, an, an easy at-large bid candidate um, for this particular NCAA tournament. They only have, again, three losses outside of the top 25. Like, when you go compare that to other bubble teams, that's good enough. Like, that, like when you compare it to what you thought Texas might be, um, it, it, it's disappointing. When you compare it to other bubble teams, it's, it's quite – I don't even understand how it could not be even close to good enough. Like, I'm thinking more like 10 seed as opposed to, like, you know, first four. I, I, and so uh, that, that's one issue. Like, when you look at the actual resume, or at least when I look at the actual resume, what I see is – is a, a clear at-large team. Secondly, and this is, I know it's not quite as simple as I'm about to frame it, but because it's a fluid process and blah, blah, blah. But I never really understood how, and it happens every year when we get to this time of the year, like we'll wake up on a thir- Thursday morning and a team is in, right? It, you know, Jerry Palm's got a man. Every other person that puts a bracket together has got a man. And then they go out and lose to a top 20 team, Right. And, and like at the buzzer, which is exactly what happened to Texas last night. And then people go, oh, I don't know if they're in anymore. Ooh, they might be. Like, how does that hurt you? Like, losing? losing yeah, and that's. I never that's, under, that's, I, I've never understood this. Like, how does her, losing a game to a, to a superior team that's ranked in the top 20 at the buzzer actually hurt your resume to the point to where you could theoretically be in a better spot on Thursday morning than you were on Friday morning? Sam, can you make sense of that? You're a smart guy. Yeah, no, especially in a game where Texas outplayed Iowa State for, what, 30, 32 minutes of that game? Like, they, they flat out outplayed Iowa State. Fred Hoiberg admitted after the game they outplayed Iowa State for a majority of that game. Um, I, I don't think anyone would want to play Texas if you put them in the tournament. I think that that might be where part of this stems from. And I think that, you know, like, if you match them up against Georgia, if you match them up against even, uh, let's see, Dayton maybe, uh, Boise State, like any of those teams, who would right, who would an opposing coach be like more worried about playing if they got matched up in an NCAA tournament game? Sure. Texas with all of that length inside and Isaiah Taylor on the outside, or Boise State, or uh, VCU right now without Briante Weber. Like I, I, I think that Texas is going to make it. I think that they're still a pretty dangerous team. It's just that relative to our to our expectations, they're not as strong as they were, and that. That's not great for them, and Rick Barnes is possibly going to have to pay for that this offseason. But I I don't see why they should be this huge bubble team either. Whenever they've they've lost thirteen games, and I think all all thirteen have been in the top fifty of the RPI or of uh, Ken Palm right now. So it's it's not a great resume. It's like a ten seed resume, like Jerry said, or oh my god, like Gary said. Um, Don't you be confusing me with Jerry Palm. (laughs) That's been that's been difficult on set the past couple of days. They'll be like, "All right, uh, Gary over here, Jerry," and it's it's like we can't figure out who you're talking to half the time. And then and then every once in a while somebody will slip with a Jerry and a Gary. It's 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 like it's like Parks and Rec. I don't know if you get that joke, GP, but um, anyway, Uh, listen, yeah, Texas is weird because they got 13 losses. 12 of them are against the top 50. They're going to get in. Uh, Their seating will be interesting. I actually, I think when we get to the bracket Sunday. Um, I do think, you know, like with Ohio State, let's see what they do in here in the rest of the Big Ten tournament. But I think there just could be a few teams where we 
you know, might think they're nine, they end up a seven. We might think they're a nine, they end up an 11. And we might have a few of those here. Um, it wouldn't stun me if Texas went to Dayton, but they're a better team than a first four team. Um, they've got, you know, the, the best wins are Baylor, West Virginia, and Iowa, which fell up to Penn State uh, yesterday. But there also is recency bias here. So this is the time when more, the most people are paying the most attention to college basketball and the games are all on TV, and you lose a game, everyone's reacting to it. Uh, so there's recency bias when really the committee is taking every single game you've played into effect. Right. The final five games, the final 10 games, the final 15 games don't have any more bearing on your seating. Uh, that at one point was the case, but in, you know, in the past you know, five, six years, that has, uh, that has changed. So um, we need to keep that in mind. And uh, just as a side note, you know, 538 uh, posted a study yesterday that showed for people that are listening to this podcast, when they see the brackets come out, conference tournament play has no correlation to winning or not in the NCAA tournament. So if you want to think a team is hot and has, you know, quote unquote momentum, that doesn't actually exist. So if, uh, if we have a surprise candidate reach a, a conference title game, that doesn't necessarily mean that you should be that much more likely to pick them in the first round. Tell it to Kimball Walker, Norlander. That's so true, though, right? <laughs> no. I was there. That's, it's been five years since that happened. Oh, wow. That was wild. We're all getting old, garden. including Kimba, apparently. Um, no, to bottom line the Texas conversation, I, A, the resume is good enough. Like, if you look at the re- – if you strip away what – like, if, they, if we did a blind resume thing, put them up against other bubble teams, it ain't even close, all right? So you'd put them in every time. Secondly, um, I don't know why – I guess this is just – I don't know why anybody would have a lesser opinion of Texas this morning than they did yesterday morning. And yet, that, that always seems to happen this time of the year. Like, oh, I don't know about, you know, yesterday people were like, oh, Texas got a you know, win and they looked okay and blah, blah, blah. Now it's like, oh, I don't know about Texas and Rick Barnes anymore. And I get some of it's because how they lost, like they blew the game. But um, they, they took a top 15 team to the buzzer. Like that, it, that shouldn't, if you're a bubble team, that should be a good thing, not a bad thing in, in theory. So uh, we'll see. Uh, the more interesting conversation with Texas to me is, like Rick Barnes. Okay, let's all pretend they're going to make the NCAA tournament because I, I think they are. Um, there is, like, a precedent recently for schools firing coaches who actually make the NCAA tournament. Um, UCLA did it with Ben Hallen. Uh, Minnesota did it with Tubby Smith. And I think both of those uh, athletic directors, the people who made the decision there in the, in the, the – they were motivated by different things, the you know, in different ways. I think they'd both tell you on some level it was just time to change it up. You know, uh, whether or not you thought Ben had regained control of the program at UCLA, um, it had just reached a point where uh, apathy had almost set in around the program, and it it was time to make a change. Now it might prove to be a dumb change, but it was time to make a change. That's what the people at UCLA would tell you. Same thing at Minnesota. Hey, it was going nowhere. We could be. We could be kind of okay, good enough every year if we wanted to, but we were never going to be more than that with Tubby Smith. Time to make a change. Is that a fair, um, fair thing to apply to Texas? Like, uh, on one hand, hey, the guy made the NCAA tournament. You, you know, you're going to really fire a guy after the NCAA, you know, going to the NCAA tournament. But hey, where are you going? Like, as Bill Self keeps stacking, uh, you know, conference championships on top of your head. Iowa State's flourishing under Fred. Oklahoma seems to be rolling now. Um, you know, you're the University of Texas. Do you change just because you want new energy and something different in the program? Where do you fall on these conversations, Sam? 
it's so hard. Like, Texas is going, like, if they decide to go in a different direction, Texas is going to have a really difficult time finding a better coach than Rick Barnes. I mean, he's made the tournament, if you go back to his Clemson days, he's made the tournament every single season but one since 1995-1996. Like, that's an incredible run that deserves a lot of credit, but there's no momentum going forward with that program, and there really should be, especially whenever Long Kruger has Oklahoma going. Like you said, Fred Hoiberg has Iowa State going. That Texas job, I don't. I, I know that uh, I want to say it was Dan Wolkin said that that might be the best job in America just because of decreased expectations and the fertile recruiting ground around it. That's what coaches think. I, when you talk to coaches, they will tell yeah. you Texas is the best job in America because you've got all the resources, all the money in the world. You've got tons of players in the state who want to go to the University of Texas, and uh, people don't care about you so much, so they're not killing you if you take a December loss. Yeah, and I don't know that I would go that far personally. Like, I would still think that UCLA might be a little bit better of a job. North Carolina might be a little bit better of a job. I'll tell you this. But, North, I think North Carolina probably better job. I don't think there's a guy in the country uh, outside of somebody who might have just grown up in L.A., who would take mm-hmm. UCLA over Texas? How about this? Like last time UCLA had to hire, like they got turned down by Brad Stevens, they got turned down by Shaka. Yeah, yeah. The, the, that the, that same true. caliber of candidate, they wouldn't turn down Texas. Like if 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 Texas wants Shaka Smart, he'll be the next coach of Texas. Right. I, I fundamentally believe that. If Texas wants Greg Marshall, he'll be the next coach of Texas. Yes. Like they can yeah. go, yeah. they can go make the big hire that some of these yeah. other schools haven't been able to make. But continue. And they can they can pay the coach too. They can pay him a Whatever ton. They I think want. that. Rick Barnes is making like two and a half million right now. And that's a, that'll be a sizable increase for just about any coach in the country. So if they want to go out and get a Greg Marshall, like I think that that would probably be a change that would be solid for them at this point, just because it would change the momentum of the program and it change up the direction of the program. It would inspire the program a little bit more than it seems to be right now, because you're right. It's, it's stagnant to me. Like, this program should never be stagnant in the Big 12, and it seems like Iowa State, Oklahoma, uh, Kansas is clearly past it, and Kansas has always passed it. But e- even Baylor, it seems like, may be surpassing Texas at this point. And if you're, if you're an administrator at Texas, you have to notice that and think that, hey, if we make this change, it could lead, it could lead to worse results. It certainly could, but it also might lead to better results. And that variability, that variance, uh, I, I think, outweighs what Rick Barnes is currently doing. Norlander, and, uh, yeah. You know, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say I'm done. Yeah, and yeah. so Norlander, um, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing to juggle because on one hand you go, hey, listen, the guy's been consistently good. Consistently good and sometimes great, but consistently good. Uh, on the other hand, is consistently good, good enough? Like, it's, like Ohio State was put into this uh, position once upon a time with John Cooper, and they just decided, you know what, this isn't good enough. Like, this is good, and it's good by normal standards, but it's not good enough for us. So we're going to move him and go hire Trestle and then go win national championships. And, um, you know, that, that, you know the, I remember the Pistons, I think it was once upon a time. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. You know, they had Rick Carlisle, and they were like, it, right. was, it was good. Like, everything was good. And they said, you know what, but we can get somebody better and be better. And they went and hired Larry Brown, and they won a world championship. I think that's the way that unfolded. And so um, this happens in sports every once in a while where we say, hey, good job. Like, your Wikipedia page looks nice, but we, we think we can be better, and we feel like we're going nowhere new. 
And so let's make a change. And I, I, let me ask it, you, Norlander, if you were in charge and, you know, you don't have to worry about contracts, all that stuff, you just can, you can do it. You can pull the plug and then make a hire. Would you pull a plug and make a hire almost regardless of what happened over the next three weeks? Man, um, that's tough because I, I actually I, I tend to defend Barnes more than and criticize. I mean, when you get to the tournament, it's it's this it becomes this weird double edged sword because Barnes, to a large degree, is Mark Few in that he gets to the tournament every year. I think he's only not made the tournament at Texas once. Um, and I don't care what who you are, like to go more than a decade, it just it doesn't happen in most cases. Um, but in getting to the tournament every year, eventually your fan base needs to see more results than just one final floor run, especially when they're seeing how many pros uh, the program is accumulating over you know, 12, 13, 14 years. Um, I, would, I would stay with Barnes, to be honest. Uh, I think he's got a good staff. I think he is a good coach. Um, but I understand that at this point you've kind of had – five to six consecutive years where you've had this, okay, one more year, let's just see where the program is, where it goes, let's see if we can break through, and it's not like totally happening, so I get that, but it's not like Texas is ever really irrelevant under Barnes, um, and as you said, when you've got Bill Self doing what he's doing in the league, um, I, I, would, I would keep him, but I don't think he is going to stay. I think he actually needs a Sweet 16 run to save his job at this point, just in kind of talking to a few people, getting a, getting a feel. I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen, but it seems more likely than not that unless Texas wins two NCAA tournament games, he won't be back. To me, uh, the issue, like I, I get that Mark Few and Rick are, are similar in that you know, they both go to the NCAA tournament every year and then neither of them have um, you know, consistently marched deep into the bracket. Um, I, I would argue the difference is like, I mean, one's coaching at Texas and one is coaching at Gonzaga. Like, yes, that uh, was my general point. Is that like the thing is like Mark Few? No one's calling for Mark Few's job. No, but right. it's because he's at Gonzaga in a smaller league where he is Bill Self of that league. Uh, but in other ways, he's he he produces pros. They have really good years. They're relevant every year, and every year in the tournament, um, they tend to fall just a little flat. Yeah, to, no, to me, the the issues with Barnes. I'm not even concerned about the tournament stuff as much as I'm concerned about like they're getting they're getting out recruited in their own state, and it's been that way for a while. And I just fundamentally mm -hmm. believe that at the University of Texas, you you probably shouldn't be missing out on recruits to A and M and Baylor, and so on and so forth. And and then you know letting you know Kentucky come in and grab the Harrisons and and you know Julius Randall. Like they've consistently been beaten in their own state. Uh, for recruits now, Miles Turner changed that perception a little bit, but he didn't change the numbers too much. And so, um, to me, if I'm the athletic director there, I, I'm I'm less concerned with what happens, you know, in a you know a single elimination tournament that we're about to start in a week. I, I, I'm more concerned with all right. Let, let's take a a big picture look at this. Where are we going? And and you know, is there any enthusiasm? Is it time to just you know change for the sake of change? I'm not a big believer in change for the sake of change. Um, but if you were, if you're the athletic director, it, that's the way you got to look at it. Like, it's it's possible we'd be removing a a good basketball coach who has consistently won, uh, but yeah, we're willing to take that risk um, and and gamble on somebody new just to gamble on somebody new while recognizing you 
probably wouldn't have the same hiring problems that other schools have had, you know, even other, you know, big time schools have had, because I, I don't think you'll get turned down the way UCLA got turned down, the way NC State got turned down, uh, really the way anybody in recent history has got turned, turned, turned down. Like, I think you can go hire an A-list candidate at Texas. And so now they'll just have to decide, you know, in the next few weeks, uh, whether that's something uh, they want to do. So it was an interesting day on Thursday for the bubble teams. Uh, Illinois lost. I think everybody assumed. They're out. Yes. A&M, A&M lost. They, uh, they got to be out. They have to be out. Yes, I would protest if A&M got in with that resume. Um, any of this helped Murray State? On one hand, I, you know, Murray State fans were hitting me last night on Twitter, like, this has been a good day for us. And um, I, on one hand, yes, uh, anytime you can remove bubble teams, that's good for you. On the other, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, you, I'll bring this to you. Mm-hmm. For Murray State, it was never going to be about getting Texas A&M out of their way or Illinois out of their way because the resume still isn't going to compare to BYU's or whoever's. Like whoever we end up in those bubble spots by the time we get to Sunday, their resume still isn't going to compare in the stuff that we traditionally look at isn't going to compare to to the other bubble teams. It's it's that's why you know Jerry Palm, bless his heart, is just completely dismissive of Murray State because in his mind, in his numbers oriented mind, um they're not even close. So what are we talking about? Um so I don't really know how Illinois and A&M losing actually helps Murray State because if the committee's not going to put them in, they're going to not put them in for reasons that they're always going to be able to find reasons in other bubble teams. If they are going to put them in, it was always going to be about, hey, we just think this team's good and they won 25 straight and we're going to put them in. Am I reading that right or wrong? Um, I think that you're probably reading it mostly right, but I do think that there is the battle of perception a little bit. And, you know, these teams losing, it gives the committee, it could give the committee a little bit more of a justification maybe, like, in the public, maybe as far as letting Murray State in, but you're right. Ultimately, it's just going to be whether or not the committee says, "Hey, we looked at this team, we watched them, and they're one of the top 68 teams in the country, regardless of what their resume says." Like they're they're going to be an eye test team if they get in. It's not going to be something that the numbers say. It's going to be something that, "Hey, this team has an NBA point guard and campaign. This team ripped off 25 straight games from November 30th to March 6th, and." They just look like a team that should be in the NCAA tournament, and that's going to be what it is. I do right. think that maybe yesterday helped. It might have just helped as far as the committee being able to justify maybe, hey, yeah, Illinois lost in the first round of their NCAA, of their uh, conference tournament. So did Texas A&M. So did uh, three other teams, basically. Uh, and that might, that might be able to help as far as justification. But ultimately, Murray State's going to be in based on whether or not the committee just wants to put them in. So yeah. there's, yeah, that's, it just is what it's, it is. Well, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a, you know, it's just a, it's a grander uh, conversation, a step back from that. I have seen some Murray State backlash here that has come about because people are, you know, Ken Pomeroy, my buddy more than anyone has been like, where was this for Green Bay last year? And I, I said, yeah. it was there, man. It, I, a lot of people stood up and wrote about Green Bay and they were discussed. Um, but now people are like, why Murray State? Why Murray State? You know, Iona's got a better strength of schedule. It's got a better RPI rank. My my retort to that is um, Murray State went undefeated in this league, um, and it won 25 straight. Iona has eight losses, and Murray State's got five, which is about the cut line, I would argue, uh, generally speaking. So 
I'm not really seeing that. Iona has more losses against sub-100 competition than Murray State. I'm not buying that, but I have seen some people step up for them. I've also seen uh, some people mention that Green Bay, like this year Green Bay, um, might have a decent uh, case overall because it has more top 100 wins than Murray State. Uh, but again, that's an eight-loss team from a mid-major league. And to me, it just it's simple math. Like you, When you have that many losses, um, you are not going to be able to overcome it because you're not going to have so dominantly won consistently throughout the season to warrant um, serious consideration. We are considering Murray State because we know that we know the team. We know that it has a, a super super talented player, a first round draft pick. We saw the way that it lost in an opponent's city in a tremendous game. I mean, here's my thing: take a look at how Murray State lost its game to Belmont, and then look at what Ole Miss did against South Carolina. I mean, you want to talk about a team that you that loses and you feel bad for and you'd like to put in. I mean, give me Murray State over Ole Miss every single time. Um, the Rebels are another team where, I mean, they're 20 and 12 guys. They have eight road wins. It's decent. Their strength of schedule is 43rd. They're higher in the RPI than Murray State. But, like, to me, uninspired. I mean, they've beaten Arkansas, Oregon, mm-hmm. Cincinnati. Those are fine wins. I get it. Um but they've lost to three sub-100 teams, Western Kentucky, TCU, Charleston Southern. I, and I think Ole Miss might squeak in, to be honest with you, because um, at certain points you're going to have to include teams. But I tweeted this earlier. I just, It's just a different discussion, but I'd rather see Murray State in than Ole Miss, and we don't have to totally rehash it here. Um, but it has been interesting that you've had a lot of these teams lose. Okay? Well, like, so you, you, yeah, no, no, no. I, get, I want to go back to one thing. Like to me, the obvious difference between Murray State this year and Green Bay last year is like one went per, it was it was perfect in its league. Like it, yeah. It, to me, I don't even know why that. That's... Well, Green Bay last year beat Virginia, a one seed, and they didn't get in, so that's why. And so that's yeah, no, why. but like I, nobody's arguing to the extent people are arguing about Murray State. It's not that they have all these top fifty wins and they beat a one seed or anything. It's that yo, is it really cool? Like. If you if you go sixteen and zero in your league and then lose at the buzzer in a conference tournament, and the only thing the only dings on your resume happened in the first two weeks of the season when your roster was wasn't full and still developing, like is that are we really gonna hold you accountable for things? I, I know we do. Like I know we do. Uh, are we really gonna hold you accountable though for stuff that happened literally four months ago? To me, that's the argument. With it. it's not like. Like Green Bay last year, they lost to you know they lost to Milwaukee by double digits in, on February eighth. Like they they and I recognize it's it's more difficult to go unbeaten in, in that league as opposed to the OVC in theory. But still, like that to me, that's very much apples and oranges. The 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 place where we might run into trouble to the extent we run into trouble would be if NC Central loses you know in its conference mm-hmm. tournament championship game. Then what? Then like what do you say, right? Another yeah. team that's like that is Stephen F. Austin. Even though they lost once in conference, they're going to be sitting at like a twenty-eight and five record with I, four yeah. top, four top one hundred losses. Uh, if they lose to Sam Houston State in the finals of the, and I think South Stephen Houston. Austin is ju- uh, so. Yeah. I think they're very similar. I would I would feel very, just the way about Murray State as, as Stephen F. Austin if that happens. No, and that's so why. Well, yeah, that's why that 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 plan we've talked about and I tweeted about like makes a whole lot. You create a safety net for these type of teams where we don't have to have these conversations. And ultimately, for Murray State, like I, I'll just uh, we, we spent so much time on them, but uh, it, it, this is the best way I can put it. I understand on Selection Sunday why they're not going to get in. I don't like. I I still don't think they're going to get in, and and I understand it. I get like you don't. 
like Jerry Palm and I went, went back and forth a little bit. Like he was trying to explain to me like I was a five-year-old uh, why they're not going to get in. I'm like, Jesus, dude, I, like, I, I do this for a living. Like I understand why they're not going to get in. Like I got it. My whole thing is it's a little bit like the Des Bryant catch or non-catch in the playoffs. Like I understand, according to the way they do things in the NFL, why that isn't considered a catch. But, like, if that's not a catch, shouldn't we look at it again? And I feel the same way about Murray State. I completely understand why they won't get in based on their resume on Selection Sunday. But if if you can do what they've done and your only dings are a one-point loss in your conference tournament final on your opponents, in your opponent's home city and some, some, some losses four months ago, like, if that's all that, that's wrong with your resume, like, should, if that's what keeps you out, shouldn't we look at, like, a new system or at least adjusting it or something? That's it. Just like the Des Bryant catch. Okay, you can explain to me over and over again why Des Bryant didn't catch that ball according to the NFL rules. I got you. But Jesus Christ, if that's not a catch, we need to, like, look at – we need – it's either – we got to look at it then because that, that, looks like, that looks like something that ought to be a catch. And Murray State, it seems oh, – to most people who – like genuinely follow basketball. It's Murray State seems like the type of team that ought to be in the NCAA tournament. Uh, we'll see. Um, did we get all the vomit cleaned up at Madison Square Garden, Orlander? Yeah, you want to wrap up the podcast by talking about Dog Girl? I, I mean, I, I can't think of a better way. I, I can't think yeah, of a better way either, they? man. So I'm sitting there, sitting there at the Garden covering the Big East quarterfinals, and Butler and Xavier, classic, classic rivalry, is about to uh, install its its latest iteration, and. I'm sitting next to Pete Thamel, and we're looking over, and all of a sudden, uh, I see Blue Three, who's called Trip, just yakking in the paint, going hard in the paint, vomiting all over the floor. I started dying laughing. A uh, couple of assistants, team manager, like the huddle, like they, like we were 20 seconds to tip, and all of a sudden, a few guys looked over, started dying laughing because it was it wasn't a little bit, and I tweeted out a photo, and I had a hard hitting journalism story uh, on all of this last night, and that like. There was a lot, and it was uh, it was this white yellow consistency. It was just um, it was just so enjoyable. It was really a highlight, a pinnacle of my career as a journalist. And um, it turns out, just he was just a little excited. It was it was his first time throwing up ever at a game, and um, he was back on the court later. And it was just uh, it was a terrific experience. It just it I, honestly, I didn't watch twenty seconds of the game in the first half because all I was worried about was updating a story on a dog vomiting on a basketball court and my life has no meaning either one of you ever thrown up at a game at a game Ooh. <laughs> no but are you going somewhere here have you thrown up at a game never uh, never uh, on a court but i have thrown up at a game i can believe no oh, yeah. not not because and, and like some of, silly story writers, i mean i was like listen, genuinely listen, sick listen like we can't get too deep into this because uh honestly the podcast would go more than an hour um, the, the way the final four is set up, I have, I have heard certainly stories, um, that, uh, some writers have not recovered, uh, prior to either a title game or a final four and have, have been seriously, uh, in, in some bad situations at the uh, arenas as they, uh, as they get ready to tip. No, no, it's not even the national championship game is easy because you get Sunday night, but we don't, we're not That's tipping true. until eight o'clock at night. That's fine. The ones that kill you are like the noon regional finals. Yeah, like that Sunday early tip. That's a, that's a, that can be a tough one. I've str- I've struggled with that one myself. Did, did you did you <laughs> did you Ralph at a Sunday regional final, Gary? Oh no 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 no! I I once upon a time at an Arkansas game, I uh, I got sick in the middle of the game, like I made it to the bathroom. It was just like I had 
whatever, like some sort of stomach virus or like food poisoning or something. It wasn't anything like, there's not a good story to go along with it. Like, and the night before I was out in Fayetteville till four in the morning. Like there's none, none of that. <laughs> it was just, uh, I was like, genuinely sick, but I was trying to cover a basketball game while throwing up. So, so, uh, is it uh, blue three? Is that what we're calling it? Trip? Blue. Yeah, trip. trip. So trip short for triple blue three is the name. And, uh, yeah, no, I've never thrown up at a game. Uh, I've had, I've actually, this is going to be for another podcast, but I've inconveniently vomited in a lot of places before, but never, never at a basketball game. And I'm thankful for that. And, uh, hopefully that, that will continue here with, uh, the A10 and, uh, and the Big East here on Friday and Saturday. I got my fingers crossed for you. Okay. Remember you can subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast over on iTunes. That's the quickest way uh, to get the latest edition. So go do that. And we will talk to you again on Monday. Ooh, Monday. After Selection Sunday. It's almost here, huh? Absolutely. Oh, yippee. I'll see you guys later. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>